Hey everybody, welcome back to the True American Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Allen, and this is a Covenant Private Radio production. This podcast exists to keep you informed on American industries. And if you missed last week's episode, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. It gives some perspective into the beauty pageant industry, and I gotta say, it's quite shocking. As for today's episode, we're looking at a truly essential industry. It accounted for $119 billion of consumer sales last year, and it's arguably what's keeping us all running right now. So let's dive right in to the beer industry. Brewskis, suds, the nectar of the gods. Everybody's got a name for it, and everybody has their preference. Today we have on the show beer economist William Wallace from Business Insider. William, thanks for being here. Thanks, Jack, for having me. It's a pleasure. So we have so much variety in the beer industry right now. We have our pale ales, we have our cold lagers, uh, and many other imported beers. Can you just take me through the history of beer in the United States? Yeah, so beer in the United States started from the very beginning. 1620, when the pilgrims came to land in Virginia, and instead they had to take a detour and land in Plymouth Rock because they had run out of beer early. Wow, so beer's changed American history forever then. It most certainly has. Uh, 1620 to 2020, that's a 400-year period right there. Uh, what are what are the events that have changed beer and the beer industry forever? Can you take me through some of them? Originally, American settlers preferred the English malt beverages, but it wasn't until the influx in German immigration when they introduced Americans to cold lager. Americans really enjoyed this new style of beer because of its crisp taste and its ability to last longer when kept cold. So Americans are loving this new German beer. What are some of the technological advances that led to the industrialization of this beer? Well, at first, this beer could only be brewed in cold climates because they were forced to keep this lager in the caves in order for it to last longer. So the advancements came when they developed mechanical refrigerators to keep the beer longer, and then they did not have to produce in these cold climates because they could move products through the water canals of America without having to avoid ice in the cold climates. So mechanical refrigeration, about what time did this uh, become introduced? Yeah, mechanical refrigeration came about around the, the end of the 19th century. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so the elephant in the room. Take me through the dark ages, beginning of the 20th century. Yeah, prohibition is a, a well-known concept that did a lot of damage to the beer industry in the United States. So in 1919, 36 states ratified the 18th Amendment to enact a national prohibition against alcoholic beverages. This destroyed many of the brewing firms in the United States because they were not able to adapt to the new regulations in order to be able to produce other goods. Anheuser-Busch is an exception to this because they were able to provide profitable business through these hard times by making ice cream and malt syrups. Hang on, Anheuser-Busch. I've heard of that one before. Yeah, Anheuser-Busch was able to profit off of this momentum for the next 85 to 90 years. They're still the number one player in the beer industry today. Well, William, it's been a pleasure as always. Thanks for joining the show. I'm sure we'll hear from you later when we do the numbers. Thanks so much for having me. There you heard about our nation's past with the beer industry. That was William Wallace from Business Insider. 
Now on the phone, we have Alexander C. Gonzalez, a professor from Virginia Tech and an expert economist on multiple Supreme Court cases. Thanks for joining us, Alex. Yeah, thanks, Jack. It's good to be here. So, Professor Gonzalez, take us through the present. What's the current climate like in the U.S. beer industry? We're in a really interesting time here in the U.S. beer market. Uh, sales have remained steady throughout the coronavirus, which is kind of unprecedented. But when we look at it, we see throughout history, the uh, demand for beers has been inelastic and doesn't seem to change because at the end of the day, people still want to drink brewskis on their couch, whether they're at home or however long they're stuck at home. The only thing that we're seeing is a dip in um, the social setting use of beer because a closure of pubs and breweries and things like that. However, the sales in stores that usually go to big players rather than craft breweries have remained the same. So market segmentation. Can you take me through the key players in this market? When we look at the U.S. Uh, brewing industry, we see two main players, Anheuser-Busch InBev and Miller Coors. Anheuser-Busch now holds a 45.6 share of the market, while Miller Coors is 27%. These are both down in the past two decades. We've seen a decline in these two and a rise in imports as well as craft breweries in the U.S. Okay, I'm going to stop you right there. Craft breweries. Can you talk about craft breweries a little bit? Yeah, so the craft brewery movement really began in 1965 from Fritz Maytag. He created the India Pale Ale, also known as the IPA. This was meant to go against the big beer companies that we see from Anheuser-Busch InBev and Miller Coors. These are more local pubs, local breweries that people like to support, even though they can find them more expensive than your Anheuser-Busch or Miller Coors. We've even seen some big players fall into this category, however, such as Pabst, um, now known as Pabst Blue Ribbon. They used to be a big player. However, when they were unable to keep up with the light beer movement, they, they fell into this category of more niche market. So what's the light beer movement? Yeah, so that movement began in the early to mid-1970s with Miller. Um, they began this movement because they wanted to produce a beer that had a little bit less alcohol concentration and fewer calories. But like I already mentioned, Pabst failed to develop this early on, and so they lost a lot of market share. But we've seen really an astronomical rise from the light beer industry. Um, when it started out in 1974, they shared 0.4, 0.4% of the market. And now in today's realm, they share 50% or more of the market just in light beer sales alone. So it's really skyrocketed. And that's why brands like Paps have been forced to um, you know, finally innovate in this realm. But when they were unable to do it at first, that's why they lost a lot of market share. Gotcha. So Americans are definitely watching the calories then. Absolutely. Absolutely. Beer being a little bit heavier of a drink and it, you know, after a few, it starts going down a little easier. So people <laughs> want to watch their weight a little bit. And, uh, they don't want to have so many, so many calories and, and so much fat in them. Understood. So Professor Gonzalez, you mentioned the craft beer movement. What's it like for these smaller players to enter the market? It's still very tough for them to enter the market. I mentioned their success, but it is still very tough. And four things you got to really look at that affect the industry that you need to know before you choose to enter any kind of industry is the industry growth rate, technology innovation, government regulations and, and influences, and complementary products and services. So we look at the first one, industry growth rate. We see that the beer industry has just astronomically grown already. Um, from 1960 to 2010, beer sales doubled. They doubled in the U.S., um, but the major, the major players in the brewery industry declined greatly, and that's how Anheuser-Busch and uh, Miller Coors got their, got their huge market share. So when you look at that, you've got two players that you're really going up against um, that really just dominate the market. 
when you look at technology innovation, it kind of plays in the big beer industry's uh, favor. So the biggest innovations in beer, um, they've come from the canning of the beer and the production line that puts the beer into cans and then is able to package it. And when you look at that, these big these big machines are able to produce 1,100 cans or more per minute. However, it takes a brewery of substantial substantial size to be able to utilize these. So when you're coming in as a new player in a craft brewery just at your local joint, you can't really take advantage of these economies of scale. So your costs are way high. And so you have to charge a higher price and your margins are much thinner. So it's really working against your favor there. Um, as far as government role um, in the beer industry, they they kind of have an interesting uh, dynamic. There's a lot of regulations that go on, not just in what is in the beer, but what is what is marketed with the beer, what is put on the packages about health information, about contents in the beer. There's a lot of regulations that go on. Um, but in a way, you could even argue that government is trying to level this playing field from having two ginormous corporations. There's been multi-anti-merger um, and acquisition movements um, you know, put in place by the government when proposed uh, mergers have, have come to them, and they've seen that it can really hurt the market and hurt competition. They've, they've done away with it. Um, that started in, I believe, uh, in, I believe the 20th century was the first one, and there, there's been a few since then. Um, and then we look at the fourth thing, compliments, um, complimentary products and services. Speaking specifically right now with the whole coronavirus situation, this is not the time to enter the market. You see a decline in complimentary goods and services in the in the events industry. You look at, for example, right now we're in springtime, baseball games, major league baseball games are postponed. And that's a that's a huge um, drop in beer sales from that. It's it's argued that 41 percent of people who attend major league baseball games consume alcohol in some way. However, you look at the flip side of this and we see that there's an increase in sales of things like pizza, things that people enjoy um, having a beer with are usually burgers and pizza. And while there's been a decline in you know burger sales, seeing as how restaurants are down, there's been an increase or steady increase in pizza sales because people are staying in, people are, are ordering in or picking up their pizza and eating it in. So we, we it's kind of an interesting dynamic right now that isn't going to favor small breweries trying to make a name for themselves or enter the market right now, just with the whole virus situation that we do have going on. Gotcha. So entrepreneurs stay away. Stay away for now. However, the future is potentially looking bright. We've seen um, that studies are actually showing us that the legalization of marijuana is helping uh, beer sales because we've seen over time that these, while they formerly were thought of as substitutes for each other, marijuana and beer, we've seen that recently um, people are preferring to use them together. And so if you're a small company, the future is more so the time to do that as we see more and more states legalizing marijuana. I believe about a dozen states or so were up for a vote about legalization of marijuana at the beginning of 2020, and we're only going to see that number go up. And as we see that, we're going to see the use of beer increase. You know, I'm not not exactly sure what that says about the morality of our of our country, but you know, the numbers don't lie. As far as craft breweries go, you know, my own projections are showing that at the end of at the end of this quarantine season that craft breweries are, are going to benefit from it. You know, there's a big push right now to help your local restaurants and um, local breweries, at least in, in my area of the country there is because of the, those are the ones that are suffering the most from this quarantine. So I think that we're going to see when this quarantine is over, we're going to see more and more people be appreciative of their local pub, their local brewery and put their money there instead of, um, you know, just buying a regular old Bud Light or something like that. I think we could see a movement towards that. Great. 
You heard it there, folks. Craft beer, marijuana, the beer industry in the United States. Thanks for joining us, Professor Gonzalez. Thanks for having me, guys. The past and the present of the beer industry. Our next segment, Breaking Brews, is brought to you by Modelo Bottling Corporation, the finest Mexican cerveza. But first, let's do the numbers. Beer revenue here in the United States is up to $119 billion for 2020, which is a 2.4% increase from 2019, expected to grow 2.3% here in 2020. Average revenue per capita is up to $357.75, a 1.8% increase from 2019. A look at the market concentration, our Herfindahl index of 2670.02 in 2019, which is down 800 points from 2009, which had a Herfindahl index of 3428.06. These numbers give you a look into the concentration of the market for beer. The four firm concentration ratio is 0.64 and six firm concentration ratio is 0.653. These numbers are indicating a pretty high concentration within the beer industry. Thanks for joining us again on True American Podcast. Our Breaking Brews segment today features Alex State from Tumball, Texas. He's a small craft brewery owner and a proud American. Alex, how you doing today? I'm doing well, Jack. How are you? Hey, I'm enjoying it. Doing the best I can in my quarantine. That's good. Yeah, I'm doing all right, but it's, I mean, things could definitely be better, that's for sure. So take me through that. Things can definitely be better? Yes, sir. Things could be better. Uh, beer sales are down because nobody's going to bars because they're all closed. And during government, closes up all the restaurants, too, so nobody can even go out to eat. So sad. But, uh, yeah, we're trying to figure out how to how to sell stuff and trying to get creative and channel that American spirit. So we, we started, uh, thankfully, the government, they lowered their qualifications and their liquor laws. So... We've been selling things curbside. We've been, been delivering kegs to people's houses. Um, we've been, had some excellent support from the community here. It's been fantastic. Um, what's really weird is carbon dioxide prices have gone sky high. They increased about 25% because of um, ethanol production going down, because of gasoline production going down, because people are staying home. we got to open up this country soon or else things will get real bad. But thankfully, um, just like all all good Americans, we're trying to do our part as well. Uh, we decided to start producing hand sanitizer, just like a great brewery named after our founding father, Sam Adams, and another good brewery called Dogfish Head. We're following their footsteps and producing hand sanitizer to help our great nation in any way we can. Well, hey, thanks for your time, Alex. One more question. I'm sure you're familiar with the five forces analysis. Could you take me through the five forces analysis, first of all, for your company and then for the population, for the entire industry? Uh, I can do my best. So I know uh, the five forces analysis by Porter. He's a Harvard business guy and and, uh, includes internal rivalry, entry, supplier power, buyer power, and substitutes. 
So as far as internal rivalry goes, the beer industry is one heck of a competitive industry, Jack. Uh, the top three firms in the global beer industry are AB InBev, Anheuser-Busch InBev, uh, Heineken Holdings, and Asahai. It's a Japanese company. But uh, here in the States and in the craft segment, we've got 8,000 craft breweries as of 2019. That is a record to, to date. Um, and there's also a record number of closures, 300 closures. So the, the, the craft brewing industry is super competitive right now. It's just even even worse business conditions with the coronavirus. Um, as far as entry goes, it's very low barrier to entry. Pretty much all you got to do is find some funding, which you can easily do in debt and equity markets in our country. There's not much supplier power uh, because all the only raw materials needed for beer brewing is water, grains, yeast, and hops. There's uh, plenty of competition as to suppliers. Uh, there's a three-tiered system. I don't know if you knew this, but uh, after Prohibition, the United States established there'd be three types. Uh, there's retailers, suppliers, and distributors. Um, and distributors, between those three, there's there's uh, good competition in all three segments. Um and uh, buyer power, there's so many competing bars and restaurants and grocery stores and convenience stores and liquor stores. There's no, no buyer power either. Uh, there's, there's substitutes for beer like wine and liquor, but uh, I think most people think that beer is the best. That's the five forces. Tell me if you need anything else. Great, Alex. I think that's going to be all for today. You heard it here. Coronavirus update, five forces analysis. Thanks for your time, Alex. Absolutely, man. Have a great day and drink some beer. All righty. Well, we got to go. This podcast was created by Covenant Private Media. Thanks to executive producer Dr. Lance Wesher, theme music composed by Dr. Finch, executive manager of news Dr. Brian Fickert, and thanks to Michael Finema, the senior VP and general manager of production. Again, this is True American Podcast. Have a good night.